Morning. Good to see you this morning. My name's Paul. If you're new here, one of the leaders here, it's my job to take us through our next message in our Love Your Church series. But before we do that, I just want to say thank you guys. That was that was brilliant. It really was. So encouraging on many levels, but also challenging. Um, I'm aware of a few of the examples that you gave, Rachel, I'll be honest. Um, but when you put those things up, I'm like, wow, God's people are are doing things I can't see. And from the examples I've given from being around the people who've engaged in this way, what a blessing that it is. Um, I'm hoping today as well, as we move through uh, what we're about to speak today, that actually it will bring, bring further clarity. It will actually bring further motivation and actually pr- bring my heart and my prayer for us as we walk through this would, would be that we as a church would step up now in the way that we engage with the, these guys and other charities in our city. Um, if you want to work through with me in your Bible, turn to 1 John 4. We're actually going to be in three different passages, but it'd be helpful if you could have that in front of you. It is going to be on the screen, but I also would encourage you to have it open in front of you. This is God's Word, and and allow God to speak to us through His Word. Thomas Goodwin, he was a a famous Puritan. He actually described uh, described Christ this way. He said, Christ is love covered in flesh. It's a lovely phrase, that isn't it? Christ is love covered in flesh flesh. And with that in mind, I've been reading Mark's gospel. And time and again in the gospel, what we see is Jesus moving towards people, moving towards people in mercy, moving towards people in love, moving towards people in compassion. And he moves to the outcasts, to the lepers, the prostitutes, the tax collectors. He moves towards people on the fringes of the society, to his people who he loves. We are in a series called Love Your Church. And what we've done in the past two weeks, we've gone through what it means to belong, to welcome, to gather, and to honor. And today, what I want us to see is how we, motivated by the love of Christ, filled by God's Holy Spirit, are to be love covered in flesh to those around us. So let me pray, and then we'll work, work our way through. Father, I thank you so much. Thank you so much for what we have already had the privilege of joining in with today. Father, that we get to gather and sing with your people. What a blessing that was to sing these praises, to sing these truths. Not in isolation, not on our own, Father, but we get to sing these truths with this family that you have blessed us with. With these brothers and sisters in Christ, that we get to sing about the beauty and the goodness and the grace of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the the guests that you have brought in amongst us, that these two are brothers and sisters in Christ. Father, we thank you for them. Bless them, I pray. And as we turn to your word now, and as we hear from you, I pray that it would be your voice that we hear, that by your spirit, you would speak to us. By your spirit, you would show us the love that you have for us and have displayed to us in and through your son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, so today we're going to be looking at what it means to care and what it means to serve. And just to clarify, I'm from Rain Hill, so people from Rain Hill say care like that. Okay, so if you're wondering what I'm saying, I'm saying care in Rain Hillian. Okay, just go with it. So caring and serving. And caring and serving, first of all, what I want to say is we're motivated by the mercy and love of God. Robert Murray McShane, he was like a, a famous pastor from a few hundred years ago. He said this, for everyone look at yourself, take 10 looks at God. For every one look at yourself, take 10 looks at God, which is so important because on one hand, it stops condemnation and self-condemnation, but also on the other hand, it is actually the means by which we grow. It's how we grow in our care. It's how we grow in our service. It's how we're going to grow as we step into what we've just heard about. You, actually, you want a sun time, what you do? Well, you need to be in the sun. If you want your plants to grow healthy, they're going to need the sun. They're going to need water. They're going to need good soil. 
If we are to grow in our faith, if we are to step forward in our faith, if we are going to take risks in our faith, we need to look to Jesus and see the mercy and the goodness and the grace that God has towards us. So I want to work through 1 John 4 just to display this and how it motivates us to move. So 1 John 4, verse 7 to 8. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. God is love. Love is in God's very nature. Love actually pours from his very character. So Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are in perfect loving community. Love has a source. Love has a starting point. Love has a provider, and it's God. But love, biblically, it's not, it's not static. It's displayed as it's moved, it moves outwards towards others, seeking the good of others, sacrificing for others. Verse 9 to 10. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Love biblically moves out towards the other. And God's love is displayed. We see here it's manifested. What that means, it's seen. It can be touched. It can be seen. It actually takes shape. And it's seen in how he moves towards us. You see, while we were still sinners, God actually moved towards us. In the greatest display of love the world has ever seen, God the Father sent God the Son into the darkness, the brokenness, the death, the decay of this human existence that we know caused by our own rebellion, our own rejection of the very God who made us. And the perfect Son, God the Son, came, the light and life of the world, He who is love, and became the propitiation for our sins. What does that mean? That means that our sins deserve the punishment of God. God is rightly angry at our rejection of Him. He's rightly angry at us for our sin. And in His justice, in His perfection, He has to deal with this injustice, the ultimate injustice. And the way that He dealt with it displays both His perfect love and His perfect justice. Jesus Christ took our sins upon Himself, took the punishment upon Himself so that we didn't have to. He absorbed every part, every part of God's anger at sin. That's why we sang, they drained the cup dry, dying in our place. You see, the heart, the very center of love is not a wishy-washy concept. It's not an abstract concept. It's not even hard to pin down. The heart of love is Jesus. The heart of love is Jesus. And it's seen most clearly in his life and death on a cross. And what's so amazing is we're thinking through what it means to be a church that, that cares and serves well today is that Jesus moved towards us when we didn't deserve it. Jesus Christ died for us while we were still sinners. But the result, folks, is a people who are free. The result of Jesus' work is a people who are free from sin, a people who are free from condemnation. I remember the, um, probably talking to people my own age here, at the Etcher Sketches. Is that people? I'm in the 40s. Anyone else below 40 remember them, or is it just me? Well, that just gets you, you draw it out, and what happens when you want the pictures to go, you just go, zoom, and it wipes it off. Our sins have been wiped away, and they've been wiped away for a reason. God is doing a new thing. He's creating a new thing. We could be free. 
A people who are in a bondage to sin, a people who are in bondage to hate, a people who are in bondage to divisions and selfishness are free to have life, free to be united, free to serve each other. So how do we do that? John goes on, verse 11 to 12, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. If we are God's, if we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, we have God's Holy Spirit within us and God is love. And so we will love. We will seek the good of others. We will move towards others naturally. We will serve others. We will care for others. We will sacrifice for others. God's love will overflow into and out from us. We will be love covered in flesh. You see, the liberating thing of this, folks, it is not so much our efforts to love, but an overflow of God's love. And that's why I want to start here for us today. And I want to keep drumming that in to us today that God is love, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And he brings his people into his love to receive his love, to experience his love. And then we together experience that same love one to another. It cascades down from God into us. And Christ, who is love covered in flesh, we now filled by God's Holy Spirit are to be love covered in flesh. Caring and serving, folks, is motivated by the love and mercy of God. Secondly, caring and serving flows from our own spiritual walk with God. I'm working through Mark at the, uh, Mark's Gospel in my own little personal studies at the start of the day. And it's so interesting. Jesus Christ, right, he's starting out on his ministry and so much is happening. Mark's gospel is quick. It's like, bum ba dum ba dum ba dum So much is happening. And he's, he's going out preaching in synagogues and towns. He's casting out demons. He's healing people. And the, the crowds are starting to follow him. It seems quick. It seems busy. It seems chocker. But what Jesus Christ does, and we read it regularly, he rises very, very early, sacrifices his own time, while it's still dark, and he goes to spend time alone with his Father. The Lord Jesus Christ, who is pure, clean, and right in every way, he made time while ministering in the brokenness of this world to spend time with his Father. If Jesus Christ did that, how much more do we need to do that? Folks, there are many obstacles to caring and serving well. One of those obstacles can be our own hearts. It can be wrong motivations for why we do what we do. It can be wrong motivations which actually might lead us walking towards people, but our heart is not right. It could be pride, self-righteousness. It could be selfishness. So we first, so we care and serve well by first walking with God ourselves. It is him who transforms us. It is him who cleanses us. It is him who provides the power, who enables us and who motivates us. He makes us able to, to serve and to care without any resentment and bitterness and pride. We need to make time to spend time with God. Paul says, Galatians 6, 8, which we'll look through in a minute. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Did you, did you hear that? Folks, let's sow to the Spirit and reap eternal life from God cascading down into us and out from us by making time each day, each moment to spend time with your Father through the Son by the Holy Spirit. So caring and serving is motivated by the mercy of God and it flows from our own relationship with God. So how then do we do it well? Let me take caring first. We care well by seeing church as a family. 
will be in Galatians 6 for this. So feel free, the verses again will be on the screen. But if you want to look at the verses as I work through them, Galatians 6 is where we are. Galatians 6, 1 to 2. Let me just read them for us. My eyes aren't as good as they used to be. It's quite dark up here. I'm like straining to see. Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep a watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. First of all, we care well by seeing church as a family. Look at that first word, brothers. Okay, that's the word Adelphoi. That's actually a familial term. It's brothers and sisters. So this is not just a random gathering on a Sunday or a Bible study on a Wednesday, but this is a family gathered under God the Father that we're to see the people around us as brothers and sisters. And families, they're, they're not a group really that you can healthily drift in and out of. It's not a group that you can just take or leave. That's not a healthy family. Families are for the long term. Family are places where we walk through the ups and we walk through the downs together, where we walk through the likes and the dislikes, the disagreements together. But second of all, we care well by seeking to restore in the gospel. See, the primary way that we care, as the verses show us, is by actually restoring people in the gospel, reminding people of gospel truth. And restoring, in this context, as, it, as it's talked about Paul, is actually like putting a bone back in place. A few years ago, there was a, a young gentleman who attended the church who, who we loved dearly. He was, a, he was a great character. His name was Kwame. Um, he's from London. Came up, came up for four years and then and went, went back, back down. So I was a real character he was. But one night I was asleep, three o'clock in the morning. I got a phone call from him. Some pastors turn their phones off in the middle of the night. I need to learn my lesson. He phoned me at three o'clock in the morning to tell me that he'd been asleep and he had a problem with his shoulder. And he turned over in his sleep and bumped into the wall next to his bed and dislocated his shoulder in his sleep. So he woke up with a dislocated shoulder at three in the morning in agony, as you can imagine. And so we needed to go to the hospital. So I drove down and you could see that his arm was all twisted around. His whole body was kind of shaped as he was trying to hold his arm up but not cause any more pain. And his whole, he was trying to navigate it. So we, we took him down to the Royal. The Royal's a great place at three in the morning, by the way. It is absolutely a great place. And we waited for about two and a half to three hours. It was lovely. And he was obviously in a lot of pain. I wasn't. I was just resentful and bitter, sat there in the chair, <laughs> wondering why, what I was doing in the middle of the royal at, at five in the morning with this grown man. Um, but eventually what happened is we went through to, to see the nurse. And he was a charmer as well, so he's like in pain, but still trying to charm the nurse as he's talking. She just grabs his arm, and then she just starts doing this with it. Does it about two or three times, and then it just goes, and he just popped back into place. And that was it. It was corrected. It was right. It was put back in. He could function. And the whole distortion stopped. And we went home. And obviously, he had to have physio. He needed a bit of extra strengthening work on it. He needed to figure out how it was. But almost instantly, his whole body was collected, connect, corrected. Tim Keller, a pastor in America, says this. He says, a dislocated bone is extremely painful because it is not in its designed natural relation to the other parts of the body. To put a bone back into place will inevitably inflict pain, but it's healing pain. It means we are to confront, even when that will be painful, but our confronting must be aiming to prompt a change of life and heart. It was more painful for him to get that shoulder back in place. He was shouting out as she was doing it. But the end product was health. See, the church, folks, is a place of restoration. 
helping people to walk properly, to function properly. And we step forward in love even when we don't know truly what's going on, even when we find it difficult to actually restore each other. So how do we do this? First of all, we do it humbly and we do it gently. That example I gave before of the Lord Jesus Christ in Mark 1, what happens is he goes out and he actually reaches out. It's such, such compassion and gentleness and tenderness. He reaches out and he touches this leper. He's close enough to the leper. It's incredible. He cared enough to step in, but he did it in a gentle and a healing way. You read the Gospels, and if you can, folks, I encourage you, read the Gospels and just try to focus on the tenderness and the compassion of Jesus. You want to grow in this area? Why don't you do that over the next three to four weeks? Pick a Gospel and just focus on Jesus Christ's tenderness, his compassion, and his gentleness. Be prepared to be ministered to by God himself. And we are to restore in the same spirit as Jesus, humbly, gently. We are, as the passage says, to keep our watch on ourselves so we're not tempted. Rightly checking our own heart as we move towards each other for, for any pride as we move towards people, for any bitterness or resentment that I was possibly feeling in the middle of the night in the hospital. Yes, I was. And I confess, Tarlock was with me. Sorry, brother. Okay, so I confess that, but being aware of our own heart as we moved one towards another. Careful of the speck in our own eye, but also not letting that speck paralyze us. See, if someone has got a speck in their eye, we are to care enough to, to help. Not just leave them with a speck in their eye. So we are to see ourselves as restorers. I think that's one of the biggest dangers in our culture and the cultural noise that is created around these kind of issues. We don't want to be seen as judgmental. We don't want to be seen as that awkward person who walks this way. We don't want to lose friendship. So often we can just leave it to others, to those people who always have those awkward conversations. You actually annoy you a little bit, but you want them to take care of this. Maybe to a pastor, then you'll have a word and say, maybe someone needs to speak to them. Maybe you leave it to your gospel community leaders and say, well, you're the leader, so you should speak about this. But what I would encourage you today is that's not loving folks. Occurred in church, steps towards each other. All of us stepping towards each other in light of that gospel restoration. And we care well by bearing one another's burdens. Verse two to three, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. But if anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. A caring church moves towards each other to bear each other's burdens. Tony Marida, who wrote the book Love Your Church, actually speaks very helpfully about the differences between loads and burdens. If you look carefully on verse 2, it says we bear one another's burdens. But a bit later on in verse 5, it actually says we bear our own load. So I think what's being said here, there are things which we can take care of personally and there are things which are too heavy to carry on our, on our own. And so what you'll find is, you'll find some people, or sometimes, depending upon who are, some people will treat everything as a burden when actually it is a light load that we can carry. While others will treat everything like it's a light load and refuse to ask for help, struggling under the weight of things that they're not called to carry alone. Folks, this as a church family requires vulnerability and it requires trust. Processing these things together can be really helpful. Talk about it together. Often you can find that people will gravitate towards the opposite of those things and you'll find that certain relationships built around things. Talk about it. Engage in it. Pray about it. Where can you sit in one of those two groups? What are the burdens? Pray about it as a gospel community. What are the burdens that are amongst you that you can step in to take? What are the things that are actually loads? Seek counsel. Pray together. 
You see, in a healthy, caring church, everyone sees it as their job. Everyone sees it as their job to step towards other people and help. When it comes to bearing burdens, it's everybody's job. COVID's been tough. That's two years now that we're walking through it. But as a church, I think we've been able to get through in a way which has been caring, generally for our people. And one of the reasons that I believe that is is because of our gospel communities. And even, I would say, the leaders of the gospel communities who we had in place. These gospel community leaders, I have to, and why I want to honor them in light of what we shared last week. These are people who are wonderful, godly people. A wonderful, godly group of people who, who bring so much love for God and love for you guys. And set a culture of taking responsibility within your groups. I've said from the front before that 80% of what we do as a church happens in and through gospel communities. Okay, 80% of what we do as a church happens through our gospel communities. What, what do I mean by this? It's a bit of an arbitrary figure on many levels, but, but it's 100%. Follow me on the maths. Okay, my wife hates it when I do this. She says she's never used this example, but I like it. 100%, okay, divided by seven makes 14, and then we times it by six. It actually leaves the biggest space for Sunday because Sunday is a bit more of a special day for us as we gather. That is the reality. Okay, but 80% of what we do happens through GCs. What we're actually saying is it's, it's the church who cares for the church. That's what a healthy church will look like, the church caring for itself. Visits, pastoral care, it happens best amongst the people. Not by two men or a group of people, it happens amongst the people best. And it's one of my blessings and joy, greatest blessings and joy, to hear story after story after story of this happening. Rachel, to hear you say that actually brought a thrill to my heart because I did not know. To see that, I'm like, wow, I never have a clue. God's people moving in this way. Isn't that incredible? It should bring a joy to all of our hearts. Not that I should be doing that in the wrong way or I should be, wow, isn't that amazing? God is moving his people outwards. God's people care well for each other in so many different ways. Four, we care well by sharing, verse six. Let the one who is taught the word sure all good, share. That's my Rainhill accent again. Share. Let the one who is taught the word share all good things with the one who teaches. See, the example that's given here is the teacher of God's word. So your giving financially enables people to be freed up to serve in the different ways that they do in this church. That's a blessing. Your giving financially actually makes sure that we've got systems and structures and, and time that is needed in relationships to create culture amongst us as a people. We are freed up and people are freed up to spend time in the word and in prayer so we can serve you specifically, which is just a blessing. And I would say that this principle that is underpinning this actually applies to the people around us. If you've read or if you've seen Lord of the Rings, there's a a character in it called Gollum, and it, it, Gollum's this creature who is he was so distorted in many ways. He's got this ring of, of power, and it's distorted him that he wants it so much, and he has to have it, have it back, and he calls it my precious. And you see in it, all you have to do is look at him for a few minutes. You see this, this, this creature is driven by a desire to get this, and he wants to keep it for himself. He, he would sacrifice for it. He will pursue it. And his desire to have it and to own it and to keep it for himself is isolating. It's destructive to him. And it's destructive to the relationships and the people around him. And I think it's a great picture, a rather extreme picture, yes, of the ugliness of a wrong view of possession, a wrong view of ownership, a wrong view of stewardship. You see, to hold on to what God has given us to steward and to give, it has the same effect, folks. We can't be blind to that. 
It's destructive. It can distort us and distort our relationships. We can be actually angry and fearful if these things are threatened. We will change our lives to pursue or to keep certain things. Maybe this is an area that you need to take to God, to repent of, to see His mercy, to see His provision. A God who literally opens the very storehouses of heaven and says, come in, child. That's our God. So folks, have a think through this week. Maybe today, at some point this week, sit down, pray. In your home, in your relationships, in your gospel community, take inventory. What has God blessed you with? What has God tasked you with stewarding? Don't see it as yours. See it as something that God has given you and tasked you to steward. How can you steward it well? How can you take what you have and share it and let it be something that not only brings you closer to God, but brings you closer to other people? And five, we care well by doing good continually. Verse nine to 10. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. Be always on the lookout for ways of doing good. Who too? There's a direction that Paul gives us primarily here. It's firstly to the household of God. Who's that? This is it. It's us, brothers and sisters in Christ, Cornerstone Church, Liverpool, the household of God here amongst us. And God love, remember, God's love, remember that cascading effect. It overflows to us and then it overflows to each other. So ask the question, who in the church can you bless? Who can you visit? Who can you buy shopping for? Who can you text? Who can you pray for? How can you step in and be a blessing in their life with what you have and who you are? But if we look carefully, it says, especially, it doesn't say only, does it? It says especially there's just an order. We're not an isolated commune here. The love of God flows from God himself into us and through us and it spills out and over into our communities. It's the love of God that spills over through us as we live and have our being in him. Imagine if, safer for families, folks. This is not an accident that they're here today. Ben puts together who, who comes in. Okay, and he put this together ages ago. This was actually on one level, from our perspective, it was an accident that this happened. It was an accident. But then as we designed this series and as we looked at it, we're like, okay, this is, seems to be incredibly fortunate. God himself knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing. He knows how he's working. Us as a people, it's not an accident that we as a group of people are working through these passages with an outlet sat right here. With an opportunity sat right here for us to go, okay, if this is real, if God's word is real, if God's character is real, if I trust him, if I love him, if what you are saying is true, you can't just sit on this and take it home and not do anything about it. You have a start today. We have a start today. We have a direction today. And as Ben said, that direction can be what you want it to be right now. It might be a slow step in and it might be a conversation. It might be a conviction that I'm going to pray about it. It might be that, actually, do you know what? In gospel communities, it might be really helpful for us to, to work this through. It might be good to have some more resources that we can just share at the beginning of our groups that meet in the week. And as a group, pray about it. Think about it. See, this is the wonderful thing. What, what we've chosen, and as we, we've done this over the years, folks, the, the people that we choose to engage with as a church are specifically chosen for a reason. So it's not just isolated things that go off. They're not isolated things that people can go off, do their own check, come back in. 
That's not what we're about. Our philosophy of ministry is that God calls a people to himself and we as a people, as a family, live and work this out together. And the beauty of the charities that we engage with is that, that we can step in and care as a family. We don't do it alone. So the really good examples I've seen of, of safer families, we had a, a neighborhood gathering a few years ago in, it was over in Warrington in a park. And Ruth and Mike actually brought someone along with them from Safer Families, and this child actually came and spent um, an afternoon playing in a park with all the other kids from our, from our neighborhood group, our three gospel communities. And the people were around and said, we do it together. And this is the wonderful thing of the gospel. We're not just saying, okay, here's some money, now we step back. We're actually saying, no, here I am. Here is the family that I have. Here is the life that I have. And we are actually, when we do it right, saying we will walk this path until the day that you die. And we as a people will do this. We have an open door. We walk towards people with a metaphorical open door behind us to the church community. And here's my family. Here's the people of God who are ready to love you. And next, we love our church by serving well. So how do we serve well? Serving well is shaped by who we are. We actually live in a consumer culture. We are being constantly shaped, constantly manipulated, constantly directed. Both our thought life and our emotions are being manipulated and directed. And the world has actually become a place. We're told it's a place for us to consume, to choose what we want, to get what we want. It's a place that we get to pick our preferences, pick our styles, pick our way. It's so individualistic. And what happens is without even realizing the air that we breathe, the waters that we swim in are actually those waters and the air that we breathe as we come into this place here. And it becomes the same thing. We come in with the same mindset. We come in to have our preferences met or we can come in to consume. But church is not just about coming, receiving and going. I hope you're getting that from this series. It's not just about that. It's about belonging. It's the family of God. And it's about serving. It's about others. It's about building others up. It's about blessing others and so church is a place where we give of ourselves we give of our time we give of our talents we give of our treasures away for the good of others Paul in Romans 12 he actually works through how this plays out in the church family it should be on the on the the screen for us so first of all we are a body verse four to five for as in one body we have many members and the members who do not all have the same function so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another. I'll keep reading this if you don't mind, Joy. I'll keep going through. Having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy, in proportion to our faith. If service, in our serving. The one who teaches in his teaching. The one who exhorts in his exhortation. The one who contributes in generosity. The one who leads with zeal. The one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. The church, first of all, is a body. Cornerstone Church, Liverpool, the picture that God gives us to describe what's going on here, one of the pictures that God gives us is of a body. We are a body, which means we are members together. We are actually attached a lot more than we know. And we have been put together, not accidentally, not by mistake, but by the divine hand of God bringing us together at this place in time, at this moment in time. And the differences between us, because there are differences between us, folks, there are. We discussed this in our gospel community on, on, on Thursday night. Those differences that we have between us, just look around you, should be celebrated. The diversity that we have in this church, 
even people from Rainhill, that diversity that we have in this church is not just good, folks, but it is beautiful. I mean, do we believe that? The church of God is beautiful. God tells us that. The bride of Christ. And it is beautiful in its diversity and its complexity. And verse 6 to 8, we read that we've been given gifts. So we are all here, uniquely made. We've been crafted by the hand of God himself. We all have gifts. And we've been given those gifts by God, from God, for a purpose. And so the local church, this gathering, right here now is a place where we are built up when others use their gifts. I've been so built up this morning and many mornings. Just We get to sing with these guys. I don't know, does that not build you up? Builds me up so much, spiritually, emotionally, just. But others are also built up when we use ours. That's you. That's all of us. So please, can I ask you and plead with you, don't withhold your gifts from the church. For whatever reason that might be, don't withhold your gifts from the church. And there are a variety of gifts. Paul here uses two broad groups. You've got your speaking gifts, your prophecy, your teaching, your exhortation. And then you've got your serving gifts, your, your helps, your mercy, encouragement, generosity. This list that he, that he has here is not exhausted. But the point that he uses here is that all to be used with zeal, with passion, with everything that we have, and with cheerfulness. Why? For ourselves? No, for the good of the body. That's what Paul's saying here. So how do we figure this out? We're going to try some aspects of working this through, but can I encourage you folks as you, you meet again through the week to just have this conversation. You guys know each other really well in your family groups, your community groups that meet. Have a conversation about what this might look like for you. And first of all, is a little bit of self-reflection. So first of all, what, what do you enjoy doing? Ask yourself that question. If you're thinking, what's this look like for me? What do I enjoy doing? God has made you the way he has for a reason. Second of all, are you any good at what you enjoy? No offense. Third of all, what kind of ministry, what kind of activities are life-giving and fulfilling for you? What are the things that, that you do that fill you with life and joy? What are the problems that you most notice? In the last building, there was, a, there was actually someone who worked in the building trade, came for a short period of time, kept on telling me that there was something wrong with this door that needed fixing, to which I just blankly looked at him while he explained, I haven't got a clue how to fix a door. And I think he told me three weeks in a row and eventually he just came in the fourth week and fixed it. I was like, thank you. What problems do you notice? It's not an accident. I think sometimes we can get wound up the wrong way with the things that we notice. We're actually not realizing maybe that's the way that God has made us. So use, these, use this as motivation to say, okay, well, how do I step towards those areas in the grace of God? Not let it rob your joy, but let it increase your joy. What opportunities do you notice? See, these are all things that are worth exploring. Come and speak to us. Speak to your gospel community leaders. Speak to each other. And from that self-reflection, we then get experience. Step in. If you're struggling to know where to serve, sometimes the, the best way to do is just to step in. Don't let that kind of decision paralysis affect you or the fear of, of what might this look like. What if I do it badly? What if it goes wrong? Or what about in a month I don't want to do All those different... If you're not sure which area, just step in and see what God does. You're not signing a contract that means you've got to do it for the next 40 years. Just step in and see what, what happens. I'm not musical. If you don't know that, come stand by me when I'm singing. You'll soon figure that out. 
But when I was about 18, 18 years ago, I started learning the guitar in the school I was in. I just decided to pick it up. And I'm not really good at it. I can do G, C, D, E minor. I could learn. The first song I learned was um, West Virginia Country Roads by John Denver. Do you know that one? I used to love that one. It's really easy to play. You used to play it again and again and again. And then I slowly served up church at the bridge. I was at bridge up the road and I just served a little bit on a team, a team of other gifted musicians. So they couldn't actually hear me. I just turned my microphone off and just played in the background. But when we came here, they actually, in the early days of this church, there was only, what, 25, 30 of us. We needed musicians. There was a few musicians there, but we needed more. And I actually said, okay, well, I'll help. I, I did it. I, I was the elder at the time who was overseeing the music group. And I'm not serving now, if you notice, but you won't see me up here. Let me explain why, because the church outgrew my, my, my gift in very quickly, okay? I was all right to 25 to 30 people who didn't quite know me and were too polite to say anything to me. But once we got to like 40, 50, people were like, what's that guy doing up there? That's where it went to. So I don't serve anymore. But so many fruits came from it. Let me explain. Okay, I actually grew as I did this. I needed to skill myself up, so I started reading about it. I was watching. I was trying to see the dynamics of what was going on in the room. And actually what I saw, I experienced worship. I experienced different models of it. I actually went and looked at the theology behind it. I read up on it. I saw how the team was being formed. I saw how these creative types actually function in these different areas that they function in. And we've got some people who are creative feeling they've been insulted. That's okay. You're a bit, you're a bit weird at times. Okay, but we saw how the teams formed. I also saw how people connected. And I saw how the people themselves connected with the music. It was really helpful for me. I saw the emotional engagement and spiritual engagement people had with different types of songs. And how people engage there. And it's actually formed me for the job and the role that I do now, 12 years later. It's not wasted. It wasn't wasted at all. We were able at the time, after four years, we planted a church. And the church, when it went, had about 10 people over on the Whittle. 10 people, that was right in my gifting area. Okay, that was my sweet spot. So I used to go over and help them out. They didn't have any musicians. It was great until they grew a bit more and then they didn't ask me. But it is what it is. But the other side, the way, the way God has made I'm really hot. When I play the guitar, I get really, really hot. And so one day I actually came in because I couldn't actually wear socks and shoes. So I put a pair of flip-flops on while I was at the front as I was practicing because I just got too hot. And a guy walked past the, the doorway, saw me and saw that actually the guy's wearing flip-flops at the front. He was actually a Romanian guy. He came into church. Okay, and it's through that, that little window of opening there, through other relationships with people in the church, that guy's off planting the church. Then flip-flops played a little role in it in the music industry. My family, I get to practice with my, my family. That's, yeah, five of us at home, that's okay. My wife serves beautifully on this music, um, on, the, on the worship team here. I get to practice some of the keys with her at home, and it's helpful for her. That's as far as I'll go at the moment. But what I'm trying to say, what I'm trying to say to you guys, that is not an area that I'm gifted in. But just because I stepped in a little bit with a very limited amount of gifting, God has blessed it, and God has done the thing that only God can do with it in a number of ways that we can't see. We think, oh no, it's got to look like that. If God blesses it, you'd be surprised. Step in. Mentioned before, we're taking faith, we're taking risks. Look at what God is. Let's step forward. And so I'm going to bring it to a close on this service aspect. So as we see the need, see the need, step in. See, sometimes it's that simple as asking the question. If you're struggling to figure out for yourself, just ask the question, what is the need? What's the need in the church gathering? by your observation, maybe by the public communication you hear from the front. Come and ask a leader, where's the best place for me to serve? Where's the place of need? Ask your gospel community, folks. They know you. They've seen you engage in ministry for years. You'd be surprised what they can tell you and the encouragements they can give you. Ask them. And remembering the serving is not just about the Sunday gathering. 
80% of what we do happens through the gospel community. So how can you serve and where can you serve well amongst the people in your gospel community? Ask your GC, ask the leader, ask how can you help? Who can you meet with? Who needs meeting? Who needs contact? Who needs discipling? Who can you pray with? What practical help can you, can you give? Can you actually volunteer to clean up? Can you lead certain things? Can you help in childcare? So what we see and possibly discount as the little things are actually building blocks in God's eternal plan for his people. So let me close where we first began. Christ is love covered in flesh. God calls us now, filled by the Holy Spirit, to be love covered in flesh. His love covered in flesh. So look into God, receiving from God. Let his love, his mercy transform us and let it overflow to the household of faith and let it spill over into the watching world as we serve and we care for the glory of God. Let me pray. Father, I thank you so much for your love towards us. You are so gracious. You are so good. You are so loving towards us. Father, you moved towards us when we were sinners. You moved towards us when we were undeserving. Father, help us to see you. Help us to turn towards you. Help us to see who we were and who we are. Help us to see that you opened the very treasury of heaven, Father. Help us to see that your love pours into us, that we've got everything that we need, everything that we want in you. Father, help us to be a church, I pray, by your spirit that overflows with love one for another. Stir us up, I pray. Steer us, I pray. Give us confidence. Give us that faith that has been mentioned before. Give us that risk-taking that has been mentioned before as we as a church take risks in love as we move towards one another. Help us to bless one another. Help us to step forward towards one another. Help us to correct each other where it's needed, Father, where people are walking in ways which are painful. Father, give us a courage. Father, give us a conviction. Give us a heart of love, I pray. And Father, I pray as we, the household, this local gathering of your people here, as we love and serve one another, that our eyes too will be on the watching world, will be on the world around us, will be on the needy around us, the, the poor around us, the helpless around us, the vulnerable around us. Father, would you make us a community that has open doors all over it, that says, come in. Let us love you. Let us see you. Let us value you. Let us tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ. Let, you, let us show you his love. God's family are here with open arms, ready to be the love that we have received from God himself. Father, do a work amongst us by your spirit. Father, help us not to go from these seats now, even as we sing these songs, Father. Help us not to go from this place just cracking on with our business, but help these things to be drilled down deep into our soul, Father. Help us to take that step today to make that engagement today, to go and give our names today, to go and have the chat today, to go and have the pray today, to go and cross the road today. Whatever it is that we are needed to step out in faith, enabled and powered by your Holy Spirit, all because of the love of Christ. Father, we love you. We thank you.